Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Watch warning advisory special weather statement for a lot of folks especially the general public weather alerts can be a bit confusing in fact an advisory is cited as causing the most confusion among the public with a good portion thinking that an advisory is a downgrade from a watch it's not the case our guest today is the weather channel's own senior director of weather presentation mike chesterfield Mike's been on the podcast before to discuss immersive reality and weather presentation at the Weather Channel, but today we're going to dive into these changes that will be occurring at the National Weather Service, and we're going to talk about other weather warning communications as well. Mike, thank you for joining us on the Weather Geeks podcast. Uh, Thank you for having me, Marshall. Always a pleasure. Well, it's always a pleasure to talk to really the person that's responsible in part for Weather Geeks. So for those of you listening, Mike's the executive producer of both the TV show version of the uh, Weather Geeks as well as the podcast. So um, you may not know it if you really enjoy this podcast, but Mike is a driving force behind it and still is very much involved in the the content and production. So it's really an honor to have. Let me give you a little of Mike's background. Uh, And Mike, before I go there. Uh, How'd you become a weather geek? Oh, I became a weather geek when I was six years old, Marshall. And um, I I just loved weather and I fell in love with it. And I I thought to myself, if I can make a career out of this and tell the future and help people along the way, um, that's what I want to do. And uh, everybody, uh, you know, from my parents to to my dad, uh, you know, they they doubted me. Um, But, uh, you know, when I got to college and I told them that's going to be my major, I I think that by then they believed. And uh, I'm you know, I followed my passion and my heart and, um, you know, it's been a fun ride. I, I enjoy going to work every day. And, uh, you know, that's something that, um, you know, my grandfather taught me at a young age, enjoy what you do. Um, because if you do, then you live a full life. So, yeah, uh, I, I resonate with that. I, I find that I've never, I don't think said, thank God it's Friday, uh, because I just enjoy what I do. So I'm not looking for the end of the week. I mean, and probably still working on the weekends as well. Anyhow, let me give you a little bit of Mike's background and who he is. Uh, He has a bachelor uh, in meteorology from Northern Illinois University. He's been at the Weather Channel since 2009, so he's been there quite a while. And let's talk about some of the things he's done while there. He was a national weather producer and lead meteorologist, senior manager of meteorological content and weather production or presentation, uh, director of weather presentation from 2015 to 2020, and senior director of weather uh, presentation today, and also as the co-creator and executive producer of weather geeks. So he's one of these people, you know, someone like myself, and he's got thoughts on a lot of things in the weather field. And so he's going to be an engaging guest. And so since the executive producer says, treat me like any other guest and go wherever you want to go, uh, let's see where we can go with Mike Chesterfield today. But first of all, you know, I always find the human interest stories a, a, a bit interesting. Uh, is there something in the meteorology field that you consider your favorite thing? Do you mean by weather type or you yeah, just... weather type, uh, warning scenarios? Is there something that really gets you going? You know, for some people, it's hurricanes, for some people, it's tornadoes. 
Yeah. So, so as far as weather goes, I've always been a, a, you know, a weather geek when it comes to tornadoes. And that's probably where I grew up. Um, I grew up uh, probably uh, about a mile and a half, not probably a mile and a half exactly north of the Plainfield EF5 tornado, which, uh, you know, struck in 1990 with um, some tragic results. And that, that really solidified to me the importance of proper communication. Uh, that was an instance where um, the, the tornado sirens after, actually sounded after the tornado came through. Um, so that's what that hit home for me, literally hit home for me that the, the importance of getting the proper message out and getting it out in a timely manner. So, um, you know, I, I, I think that's where I'm, you know, where my passion is, is communication and, and finding new ways and new methods and then avenues to get uh, weather information out to the public in a manner that's, you know, uh, understandable and, um, you know, in some cases, even entertaining. Um, I think we hold our hold attention better when, when um, the information is provided in an entertaining fashion. But obviously being factual and being, uh, you know, delivered in a manner that can be usable by the public and, and leads to actionable um, you know, actions from the audience is, is really important to me. And that's that's where my passion is now. And you talk about communication and risk and so forth. And I know you've been a driving force along with the team there in this immersive reality uh, presentation that you might see on the Weather Channel, uh, where you might see Jim Cantori standing in the midst of a flood or a tornado. And I think that's been a game changer in terms of messaging. I I was in a class uh, teaching one of my classes at UGA, and we were talking about storm surge from hurricanes. And we were showing these two-dimensional sort of traditional maps that show the little pink and purple colors going around the coastline. So three feet of surge possible here, but you can show what three feet or four feet of surge looks like. Talk about what that's been like uh, within the Weather Channel and what technology you've advanced in that regard. Yeah, so we use our uh, immersive mixed reality technology to present, uh, to, to immerse the talent into these uh, hyper-realistic environments to depict um, weather conditions that we normally wouldn't be able to put our talent into. Um, you know, the, the sample that you provided was the storm surge one, which was a challenge that we've always tried to uh, overcome in, in communicating what storm surge is and um making the audience feel what uh, the dangers. So what we did is we created the simulation that actually will take national hurricane center data and uh, translate it into actual depictions of what that surge value may look like in in an environment that um, is familiar to them. So uh, we were very careful in making the environments look like some of the areas that may actually be impacted by the storm surge. And being able to put the talent next to these walls of water and show them exactly what they would uh, show the audience, exactly what they'd be up against if they decided to stay, I think was very impactful. And it was it was kind of my aha moment um, when we, uh, you know, when it came to the immersive mixed reality technology that we were using. And, and And as you said, for me, it was a game changer as far as being able to communicate in a different way. Um, we've we've since taken that technology forward, and we even have th- these things called virtual views, which um, we take a, a high dynamic range imagery um, and we plug that into our um, graphics application, and we're able to provide these uh, site specific environments. So I can go to Chicago beachfront and put the talent in there and put in weather particles according to what the forecast is going to say. So rather than just 
showing a flat graphic with text on it, I'm actually able to show the viewer what the weather is going to look like before it happens. Um, these are the types of things that we're working at the Weather Channel, and it's all in the name of improving communication and making sure that people understand what the forecast is, because to me, there's nothing more frustrating than having a forecast that's correct, but the viewer not getting it and understanding it. Yeah, we're talking about Mike Chesterfield and the Weather Channel. I think a key point there is, you know, we as weather geeks talk about the uh, awesome radar and satellites and higher resolution models that come about every couple of years, but if people aren't sort of responding or communicating or receiving the messaging, uh, is it a good forecast? I think that's a fair question, which takes me to the recent changes that the National Weather Service uh, announced. Mm -hmm. uh, we've had watches and warnings and advisories forever, as long as I've been a part of the meteorological community. Uh, but there have been some changes announced. I think they're essentially phasing out the use of the advisory. And I, I know in some other episodes that we're going to talk to some communication experts like Susan Jasko about this process. Mm -hmm. I saw some interesting conversation and dialogue by you. Uh, I, you know, I think many people have the sense that this is a good thing to get rid of these advisories because they, but I want to hear your perspective because you raised some interesting points. And in some cases, you may just have been playing devil's advocate a little bit. Yeah. Talk to me about your initial impressions of this change. Well, let me first of all say that there, there obviously is a problem with the word advisory. Um, the, the research is very clear on this, right? Um, people misunderstand what the term advisory means, and they, they can confuse it or conflate it with the term watch. Um, so we have a problem, right? And um, we want to solve that problem. So I don't, I'm not... Uh, disagreeing with the fact that we need to do something. And I think that the work that Eli Jackson, Susan Jasko, and others have done has been great. And the fact that, uh, you know, it takes incredibly smart people to attack this weather communication problem speaks volumes to the problem at hand. The, the reality is weather communication, and particularly when it comes to life-saving communication, it's not easy, right? Uh, and I'm willing to accept that. But I'm approaching it from, from a little bit different angle, probably more from my media experience. And I recognize how these products are used to communicate with the public at large and at scale, via, uh, whether it be television or mobile products. Um, so I, like I said, I come at it with a uh, healthy skepticism. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> and by the way, you know, the weather advice, the advisory, I mentioned this in the intro, and I think we saw a little of this in the snowpocalypse in Atlantis uh, mm -hmm. I guess about 10 years ago, because I think there people perceived the winter weather advisory as a downgrade from a watch as we were watching that snow event move further and further north, originally right. predicted to be further south. So I, I think there is confusion uh, with the term. I've often argued that there's often confusion with watch and warning, as I, I mentioned to Susan Jasko. I, I had a young student tell me, I thought watch means you're watching the tornado happening and warning right. means it might happen. So I think there are layers to this, but you've spent your career thinking about this at the Weather Channel. And yeah. one of the questions I posed to Susan Jasko in another episode talked about the fact that they're moving away from more graphical uh, discussions of advisory to more sort of plain language. But for someone in the media, you rely on the visual presentation for what you do. So, and it sounds like that's something that you're really concerned about. What, what, give us a concrete example of an implication that you see of how going away from this could be a problem for how you warn the public. 
Right. So, and you know, we use the graphical depiction, the area in which is going to be impacted by these impactful weather events. I mean, let's be clear about this. The, the term advisory was created so that uh, we can highlight a potential impactful weather event upcoming, right? So, uh, you know, one of my concerns is, and it's still not clear to me, is whether they're going to include in the message the uh, the UGC, which is the geographical code, which allows us to plot and color in these areas which are going to be impacted by this upcoming weather event. So as, uh, as a member of the media and somebody who works with graphics very closely, um, we use maps and coloring on the maps to highlight the specific area that we're concerned about. If you take that away from us, we're, we're losing a, a, a significant piece of communication, right? Um, we're, we're not, if we just use language or text that's not something that translates very well in a media environment. Um, there's also the crawls that you see at the bottom of the screen. Um, those often are accompanied by those colored mapped areas, right? So you have the text portion. And if you're watching at home, I'm sure the, the, the listeners right now, they know, they see that box pop up with the map in it and the crawl come across. It's that combination which, you know, the text with the map, which provides the viewer with access to where it's going to be and what I need to be concerned about. Um, so taking that map away would, would be hurtful. Um, the other thing that they're doing, and probably my biggest concern, um, is grouping all these impactful weather events. I think they're taking like 28 or something different advisories, and, and they're basically going to use what they call headlines to communicate right. Right, these, these events. They're going to be grouping all these together. So by doing that, um, my concern is, and, and again, there's probably ways around this, and they're still working towards a final solution for how these are going to be communicated. But I think they're going to end up unintentionally making all the headlines feel a little generic. Um, they're going to maybe get lost in the noise out there, right, without having a concrete category to point to. Uh, perhaps they all get grouped together and get lost. Um, so, I, I mean, I get the idea of eliminating advisories. Trust me, I do. And, and again, I agree with it. The general purpose and simplification is great. Um, but it's not quite as simple as that. And again, it's, it's a very complicated problem. Um, there's also a, a lot of muscle memory here that's been built up over years and years of using the term advisory. Um, my question is, when we lose that term, are people going to miss it? I don't know. Um, in the media, specifically, when there's a tangible category of an event, everyone knows what to do. When I say everyone, I mean anybody from the on-air talent to the producers to the news director. They know what steps. If I see a snow advisory, I know what that means to the show. I know I put the talent into the first block, and I know you know, that we, we raise the awareness of weather on that particular day because that advisory is there. If it's just headlines, and I say just headlines, if, if it's going to put a little bit more pressure on the talent and the in-house talent to go to the producer and seek them out and say, all right, we have this headline. We have this snow headline. So I need you to treat this like an advisory like we did in the past. And it's going to be a learning curve. There's going to be um, some learning that's going to need to take place, particularly at the local station level, um, to make sure that we're getting this right. And we're making sure that we're not losing anything by making this change. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we are back on the Weather Geeks podcast. I'm Dr. Marshall Shepard from the University of Georgia, and I'm speaking with Mike Chesterfield, who is the Senior Director of Weather Presentation at the Weather Channel and also the Executive Producer of Weather Geeks. You know, it's interesting. As you were talking in the last block, Mike, I'm wondering, and I don't know if you know the answer to this, in the, and shout out to, by the way, the Eli Jacks and all the people that have worked on this. I know there's been a lot of hard work in this, and I think that in the weather community, whenever there's change, there's discussion. <laughs> we were talking about the change when they went to talk about all caps versus non-caps and sort of some of the, uh, I guess, discussion and, advice, uh, and, and wording from the Weather Service several years ago. And, and you all certainly know at the Weather Channel, there's discussion because you name winter storms. So mm-hmm. there's always discussion about things. So that's, that's what we're having here. Do you know, Mike, if the folks, when they were considering these, were there focus groups with the media yeah. or with folks yeah. like you to talk, understand these implications? I can tell you without a doubt, they've reached out to us at the Weather Channel. We had conversations with them and we did express some of these concerns. I think they see the upside, um, you know, it, it, it offsets whatever downside there may be. And, and, and again, I think they're right. Um, I think, you know, the, they're not planning to implement this change until 2024, because I think they recognize that there's still work to be done. And I, and, and, you know, their promise all along has been to continually work with their, not only media partners, but emergency management partners to make sure that we get this right. And, um, you know, I think raising these types of concerns, I think, you know, only helps because what will end up happening is we'll find solutions to overcome these concerns and, and you know, we'll, we'll end up with a better product in the end. Um, you know, there, like I said, my biggest concern is, is I don't want to lose a vehicle to communicate the weather without a replacement that is equal or better to it. Right. So that's, that's where, um, you know, my mindset is, um, you know, I can tell you that, we rely on crawls. I don't think a lot of people even realize it. The crawls on the bottom of the screen to present advisory information. Another concern about um, you know making these headlines a little bit more generic is there may be news directors that lose sight on the importance of running these things because they're now uh, categorized in a different category. Um, so perhaps they won't run the crawl, right? And whereas when it was an advisory, it was a tangible thing that they can attach to and say, of course, we'd run a snow advisory, but a snow headline, I'm not sure I would run that, right? Um, So these are, again, these are the types of concerns that I have. And they're all, by the way, they're, they're, we can, we can definitely overcome all these concerns. And, you know, I think they're on the right path. And I think, again, they're having the right um, conversations with the right people. So, um, I have no doubt that when it does actually happen, we're, we're going to be in a position which is going to be uh, helpful for everybody. We're going to be a good spot. Well, and I think the Weather Channel is a, a major stakeholder in the process. And so I, I don't have a problem at all with folks like you and others sort of raising these points because that's how things get better and that's how there's improvement. And I think the listeners here are learning some inside the ball game 
thinking in terms of how warning information is conveyed from the Weather Channel. I mean, I mean Mike's mentions crawls and sort of the process by which the on-air talent, the Cantores and Abrams and Carfagnos and Ape and Bettises, how they interact with producers to get the story out. So I, I, I really appreciate this aspect of the podcast today because you probably just turn the Weather Channel on and get the information, but there's a lot of thinking and sort of coordination that goes on across this. Now, I want to now pivot because Mike gave me carte blanche to do so. Uh-huh. I want to pivot into just picking his brain on a lot of things that have been going on in the communication warning space, because I know he's an expert and he thinks about these. And uh, the first one is something that recently happened. You may may not have any initial thoughts, but I'll throw it out there anyway. What are your thoughts on uh, this idea of not naming storms after the Greek letter alphabet anymore? You got any initial thoughts on whether that's a good thing or not? Oh, I, I, I do have some thoughts on that, Marshall. <laughs> I thought you might, having worked with you over the five years. <laughs> it's funny because uh, you, you should really talk to Dr. Nabb, the former director of National Hurricane Center, about this, because I know that um, he, he, he was all over this before it actually happened. You know, Greek names may not be the best vehicle to, to, to use, right? Um, so I, I agree with them. I think, uh, I think the decision made was the right one. Um, I think that it uh, adds a complexity that's really not needed. Um, there's a simple solution to come up with a second set of names that we can just roll into. And it, uh, you know, using names that are familiar with folks is, uh, is, is beneficial. And that's, you know, you can say what you want about winter storm naming. Um, that's the one thing we, I think we learned along the way, which is um, if it's going to work, um, people need to recognize the name. It needs to be something that sticks with them. And I'm not sure some of the Greek names did that. Yeah, and I think the other thing that I think the WMO, the World Meteorological Organization, which is ultimately the organization and its hurricane uh, committee uh, that made this decision, they often talked about that in 2020 was a good example with 30 named storms getting into, mm-hmm. I guess, up to IOTA. Um, there was so much focus on the, the name. Sometimes right. the Greek letter that you lost fact uh, lost sight of the hazard and the impact. That's, that's exactly right. It w- it became a novelty that we were using Greek names, and it was you know um, that's not the right discussion to be had prior to a potentially devastating uh, hurricane. So um, the name's important in that you want it to do you want it to be able people to attach the danger with what's coming, right? So it's very simple to say Hurricane Michael is coming. Um, but if I have to talk about the origins of the Greek name and all this stuff, it's it's going to slow down the communication process and it's not the time to slow down that. Yeah, something else that's going on, and I know you have some thoughts on this because you shared them with me. Um, increasingly, people are cutting the cord. Yes. I mean, I still watch you all on direct TV because I, I, I like the convenience of just having all my channels in one place. And yeah, I'm probably paying a little bit more than some folks that are cutting the cord. But I just like having everything in one place. But I know that you at the Weather Channel have been thinking carefully about messaging weather yeah. the where people are cutting the cord. Give me your thoughts on that. So, you know, this dates back a couple of years ago. There was a deadly tornado that swung through uh, Alabama. And uh, I, I believe it was actually uh, a CNN reporter was in, interviewing a person who had their house destroyed and survived, luckily. And uh, what she said struck me. She says, I had no idea I was watching Netflix. 
And that right there crystallized what the problem is. Folks are who used to get their warnings through, you know, regular broadcast television, and can, you know, through whether that's cable or whether that's, um, you know, satellite. Um, when you're watching your local stations, you're going to get those localized alerts. Um, but if you are watching your Netflix on Roku or your Disney Plus on your Apple TV, you are not connected to the outside world in any way. And there's no way to disseminate, at least currently, disseminate the warning to you. So you may be completely oblivious when you're binge watching something, you know, hours upon hours, you don't know what's going on outside and there could be a tornado coming towards you and you would never know it until it was too late. So that's a problem that uh, I, I know folks are looking at now. And I know, um, you know, up to the government levels with some of the some of the uh, Ready Act, which uh, got enacted, which is which is designed to help to improve and start having these conversations when it comes to disseminating warnings. Um, those are conversations that are happening at the government level, but uh, there are also conversations that are happening within the weather enterprise. You know, I think we recognize as a group that this is a problem that we're going to want to take on. And, um, you know, I'm hoping and, and I know the folks at the Weather Channel, um, I know how they feel about this. I'm hoping that the Weather Channel will be help, help to solve this issue. So in the, in the longer term. So, um, you know, think about that, folks. Uh, and, and one thing that you can do to offset that danger is, you know, set your alerts up on, on your mobile phone. Um, that way you won't be as disconnected as perhaps you'd like to be. But at least if there was a warning. You know, and, and Marshall, you say this all the time, um, be weather aware, right? And know if there's a watcher warning, uh, you know, know what to do. Um, so that, there, there's a lot there to unpack, but uh, it, it's, it's definitely a problem that we're going to need to solve and solve quickly because more and more people are, are going to be cutting the cord and they're being disconnected from what was traditionally, a, you know, a, a solid method to communicate warnings. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. We're back on the Weather Channel. I'm on the Weather Channel. Well, I've got a Weather Channel colleague on Weather Geeks that we're back on. I'm Dr. Marshall Shepard from the University of Georgia, talking with Mike Chesterfield of the Weather Channel. And, you know, at this segment of the podcast, I'm just tapping the expertise of Mike Chesterfield, a meteorologist with years of experience thinking about messaging and communicating and presentation of weather risk. So I'm just, this is kind of a free-for-all. So, so buckle up, put your seatbelts on tight, and let's see where we go next. Next question, actually, Mike, just comes from looking at, in my own household, having two teenagers who never turn on the weather channel or right. never turn their TVs on. They're on their devices. Right. Are we generating or producing a generation of people that like as kind of a building on the conversation you were just having about people watching streaming services and cutting the cord? 
are we and is the Weather Channel concerned about this generation that's coming forth that really doesn't even turn on TV for weather warnings and risk? And how do we reach that generation even now as teens, but as they even become young adults and adults that aren't conditioned to do what I do, which is to turn on the Weather Channel or my local TV meteorologist? Yeah, it's 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 definitely interesting, uh, Dr. Shepard. Um, I think uh, we have to go where where they are, right? Whether that's TikTok or Snapchat. I mean, wherever you know the social media platforms that they're constantly that they I say they because I'm I'm old <laughs> <laughs> that they're constantly on uh, and using and, and leveraging to gain information. It's not that they don't want the information. It's just that it's not on the platform that they're used to. So we have to figure out a way to get the weather information to them using different vehicles. I don't think that uh, your your daughter or son don't want this information. I think they just want it packaged and presented to them and delivered to them using the, you know, the mediums that they're using right now. Yeah. Um, we shouldn't have to ask them to change. Um, we should be changing to meet their needs. That's what is the Weather Channel up to? I mean, I know you all are thinking about this. And I mean, we've expanded our footprint into social platforms. Um, we've we've gone a little bit more aggressive in that angle, and and we will continue to do so. Not just to communicate weather, but also climate as well. Um, we we've launched a, a whole network, the Pattern uh, Channel, which is dedicated primarily to not just. Um, climate change, but also just science in general. Um, it's, it's a really interesting, if you haven't had a chance to check it out, check it out. Um, it's kind of a cool little, um, you know, place to find some information that you might not otherwise. Where, um, where can, well, I've, I've heard you and other colleagues at the Weather Channel talk about pattern. And I've, I'll admit, I've asked, what is it? <laughs> and so I actually have explored a little bit, but where can Weather Geeks listeners find pattern? I mean, I know you're on Twitter, but what right. is it? Is it a YouTube channel? Is it a, a separate right. channel? So what is what is it? it? It's it started off on social platforms, you know, usual platforms like Twitter, um, but now there's actually a, a video channel, um, the Pattern Channel, which can be found on uh, local now and also Tubi. So uh, if you have a chance, download it for free. It's it's a free service, um, and, and you know, check it out. You, again, you you will see um, some some scientific content and some of it's produced by the weather channel itself um, you will see uh, some really cool stuff there and you'll uh, you know i've i've really enjoyed it i've really enjoyed the climate discussion the discord that's taken place on on pattern and um i think uh you know what we're going to see in the future with that channel and that brand is going to be really important um i really do yeah. And I, again, I think even the sort of shift we made with Weather Geeks and, you know, I've, I've watched kind of the Weather Geeks sort of uh, the listenership. You know, I get a lot of emails and comments on Twitter. Uh, so I, I know we have new listeners to Weather Geeks. I want to kind of go back there. Why, why did you and your brain trust even create the concept of Weather Geeks? Because we did it as a TV show for a while. And there's an interesting story involving a napkin and a, like a Mexican restaurant involved. But I mean, I know we have new listeners to the, the Weather Geeks podcast because I get it. Tell a little bit about the history of the um, Weather Geeks show and then, you know, the, this evolution to the podcast, given the changing media landscape. Right. So it, it really did. I'll start, um, at, you know, at a, at a local restaurant at, uh, you know, maybe a, a beverage or two along the way. <laughs> uh, we, we were talking as a group and, uh, you know, it was uh, myself, uh, Dr. Matt Sikowski, who also is a co-creator, and uh, Chris Warren, who's an on-air talent. We were talking about, you know, what if we produced a show that was 
specifically geared towards the hardcore weather geek, right? And what would that look like? What would that feel like? Who would be the host? <laughs> you know? And, you know, we, what we ended up with was was the television show Weather Geeks. And, you know, having the conversation with you sitting down for the first time, I think, you know, we were like looking for somebody outside of the Weather Channel walls to, to bring in different perspective. And, you know, frankly, you were, you were you know, gracious enough to accept our invitation and, and become the host. But, you know, more importantly, it was a chance or it was a place, a safe place for, for weather, for folks within the weather enterprise, leadership within the weather enterprise to come in and tell their stories, right? And explain to them what they're trying to accomplish. And I think what ended up falling out was, you know, some really interesting things that people didn't recognize that were going on otherwise, right? So this this new platform gave gave folks an insight that they otherwise weren't getting. So that 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 was really cool. And then, you know, podcasts came along and we're like, this podcast thing is really cool in that you can really take the conversation with guests anywhere, right? And it does just become a conversation, which was one of the original concepts of the, of the television show. Um, just have a conversation with folks who are really, really smart and know exactly what they're doing and they're experts in the field and let the audience listen in. And that's what a podcast is, right? It's It's giving them that inside baseball view of what's going on behind the scenes. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, I would say as someone that certainly has been involved in both uh, aspects of the show, uh, I, we really can dig deeper in this podcast format because a lot of folks would say, well, you know, I, I love the Weather Geeks TV show, but, you know, really it's about 16, 17 minutes of content by the time there are right. commercials and the weather on the eights. And so, you know, with some of the people, you know, just even as we're taping this, the episode that's being released today, we, we release new podcast episodes on Wednesday. It's Carrie Emanuel. I mean, yeah. I want more than 16 minutes talking to Carrie Emanuel. And so I, I had that. And so it's an amazing episode. And so I, yeah. I really appreciate the sort of shift. You know, as we get ready to wrap up this conversation, I'm talking with Mike Chesterfield of the Weather Channel about, uh, you know, communicating and presenting weather warnings and risk and information. Uh, what's on the horizon from your lens as someone that's a meteorologist, but also as someone in the media landscape as well? Uh, where are we going in this changing landscape of warnings and how we present it from your your perspective as someone that's sort of a, a thought leader in, in this area? Well, I think we've touched on a lot of the areas which are growing, which where we're going, which is we we have to reach uh, audiences across multiple platforms. There's a splintering in the media landscape, and we got to make sure that we're accounting for that splintering. Um, so we have to figure out ways to deliver the messages that we're trying to deliver. Um, in the manner in which the consumers want it, right? Not just what we think and what we're used to. So we got to break that muscle memory. Um, I also think that, uh, you know, we have to be careful. There's so much weather information out there now um, that it can become overwhelming. Um, if, if you follow a bunch of weather meteorologists on on Twitter, and you could be bombarded in a day with just tweet after tweet after tweet, and sometimes it's difficult to filter what's real and what's not. So um, I always say know your source, trust your source when it comes to getting it, getting weather information on Twitter, um, because you'll 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 find those who are really, really good there. Um, so it's worth it. But you, you do have to do your due diligence. Um, and also, and, you know, as far as presenting the weather on on video or television, um, you know, I think what we're doing at the Weather Channel is just to start as far as you know, creating different vehicles to present the weather, not just your flat maps, not just your flat graphics, but actually putting 
uh, you know, talent into these immersive environments. I think it's we're going to continue to build on that and uh, try to figure out new ways to to use that. And you know, eventually, I see a world in which we all have an, an avatar or something to go to and get our get a get a forecast on your mobile phone. Um, you know, th- these are things that are that will happen. Um, the, you know, the artificial intelligence out there and the things that they're developing, the technology is, is just incredible. Um, you know, I, I'm a bit believer that video along with the information is a key to, you know, providing the context that's needed, um, which is why just getting your warning on the phone um, or getting your forecast on a phone is not always good enough because you're missing out on specific details to that particular event that may, I don't want you know, that may be presented to you by, uh, you know, an expert, um, better presented to you by an expert. So there's a lot to do. Um, there's a lot of challenges, but it's, uh, you know, the, the, the real cool thing is, is I see everybody in the weather enterprise uh, looking for ways to improve. I think that everybody recognizes that it's hard and it's not going to be solved overnight, but uh, working together and working with the folks, uh, you know, like I said, um, at the National Weather Service and, um, and the social sciences, there, there, there are going to be ways to uh, to improve what we're doing now and build upon what we're doing now. So um, I'm excited for the future. One last question before I do the geek of the week. So you are someone that believes that there's always a place for a Cantori or yes. an Abrams, and yes. a, a human voice. That is 100% correct. And, and, and I think uh, I think that's what audiences are going to demand more of, not less of. Um, I think they want to hear from somebody that they trust. They want to be able to find that connection. I think it's great if you're just looking to go to the soccer game to look at the the forecast and say, oh, well, it's not going to rain today. But when it becomes down to situations in which maybe life impacting or even life threatening, um, they want to, to have a go-to and, and they need that expertise that needed that need that extra layer. I'm a big believer in that. And it's not just because I work at the weather channel, but it's because I see how people react. Um, you know, I see how my wife reacts to different, you know, forms of communication and she'll look at, she'll look at the forecast on, on, you know, the weather channel app on her mobile phone. And she'll say, Oh, it's, it's, you know, just a few rain showers. Right. But she's, what she's missing out is, when those rain showers are going to happen, how heavy are they going to come down when they do come down? What do I have to worry about? What are going to be the actual impacts, right? And those are the things that I think really only a human can do. So that's, you know, uh, maybe I'm old, maybe I'm old school, but uh, I, I, I do see that audiences are really starting to go back and demanding more of a video product. Which well, is, especially, you know, in high impact events that we've seen plenty of them in recent years. I think that's right. Um, I, I just you know want to thank you and all of your colleagues at the Weather Channel uh, for what what you do. It's, you're an institution, uh, you know, a cable institution, an institution, and a recognizable brand. And look, I am not sort of being a homer here because I don't really work for the Weather Channel. And I think one of the reasons uh, you know they asked me to you know be involved with Weather Geeks is I am an independent voice, and you know I'll criticize. Too. That's right. So um, you know that's the beauty of this. But I you know I. Definitely think that the Weather Channel is doing a service for humanity and for uh, citizens uh, globally. I appreciate that. And there's there are a lot of hardworking people here that have a passion for for doing just that, just you know, helping and providing information that people need on a day to day basis. And um, it's it's a really cool place to work. And um, you know, I'm I'm just 
like I said, I'm, I'm happy to come to work every day, which I, you know, I know a lot of people can't say. And Absolutely. All right. Well, before we get out of here, it's that time of the podcast where we talk about and recognize our geek of the week. We like to highlight a scientist, superstar, a great geologist, or a weather weenie at the end of every podcast. This episode's geek of the week is Harry Dove Robinson. He's an undergraduate student at Drexel University who also built his own GRB Go 16 receiving station. Um, plus, he also puts real-time ABI and SUVI images on the web. He's definitely a weather geek, and I'm loving it. In addition to meteorology, Harry's interests include space weather and engineering. If you or someone you know would be a deserving candidate for our next Geek of the Week, check out our social media pages. Mike, thank you so much for coming to the Weather Geeks podcast, your home turf, and enlightening us with your information. Oh, thank you for having me. This, this is, uh, uh, you know, you and I could probably talk about, you know, for hours. I'm sure we'd bore everybody, but uh, I appreciate, <laughs> appreciate uh, you having me on. Absolutely. And uh, thank you all for listening. Hope you're enjoying the content this year. We've got some really great stuff that we've given and some really great stuff forthcoming as well. We'll see you next time on Weather Geeks.